0: One more win. That's all the Diamondbacks need to advance to the NLCS. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. But we do things a little bit different. We do it from Big Sky Country. We, um, we do... Um, ASU football and ASU basketball. Uh, I'm drawing a blank as well. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Mooyah Billings. Man, that was that was a, a rough one. I I did did not nail that. That's for sure. It it nailed me. Um. Oh man. Wow backs one headed to arizona they're off uh, actually uh um yesterday and uh they will be playing um game three uh today um and then uh uh game four and five if necessary <laughs> let's go um of course they're always if necessary but Um, yeah, uh, we could be talking about a sweep. We really, really, really could, but we'll, uh, get into more of that in just a bit. Um, long day of work yesterday, excuse me, got, uh, some mango tea in in the glass today. Um, but, uh. Yeah. Um uh just a late work day. Not much going on in in my in my life as as it pertains to work, but uh on a um more serious note, um I did uh have some friends that had another baby. Um and I'm excited for for them and I, I kind of wanna take the this time i i didn't do it for their their first but um for a little s um keeping their names private uh they asked me to do so um but uh wanted to um you know just kind of uh pray for the family um it uh, is uh, is my my good friend Zach. I've mentioned his name before, several times on here. Called him out on some things and say, you know, I know he's listening and I know he gives me feedback. So we we can establish that it is uh, his his kids. But he asked me to kind of keep his his sons' now uh, names. So we'll refer to them as um, S and E. So. Um, yeah, uh, but, uh, I, 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 I was certainly podcasting when, when S was, was born. Um, and I, I don't know why I didn't do it before. I kind of, kind of feel bad and no one's ever asked me to even Zach's, you know, hearing this right now, Zach, like, you, you know, I never, never expected you to do anything. My, my, my man, um, uh, my guy as he probably would say. But I just kind of, kind of felt bad, and, and you know, I, I love the family so much. Um, you know, I miss them all the time. And, uh, but anyway, uh, little, little E was was born, uh, yesterday. This is a, this is a, um, Wednesday edition of Big Sky Sports Talk. Uh, uh, yesterday it was kind of, kind of a little bit of both. I, I kind of got the other one out you know, early enough for it to be a Monday, but it was Monday slash Tuesday. I I I talked to um Diamondbacks in as in the present. So, you know, we'll 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 say that was a Monday slash Tuesday. Today is a Wednesday edition and um yesterday I don't know what time, don't know the particulars when um E was born. But he is so darn cute seen a picture. And, uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody can, can rest easy, but I know that's not as likely because, you well, know, no newborns bring a lot of attention and a lot of missed sleep. And so kind of for that and just kind of thinking about some things that I want to, um, I want to pray for, um, since I didn't do it before, um, uh, little S and, uh now now he's he's kind of big ass now. He he's big bro. Uh but uh, definitely um E that was born um yesterday and just kind of you know pray that you know everything from here on out goes goes well. I know right now it just kind of brings a smile to my face. I can see those those two boys uh just spending a lot of time together. Um, you know some some arguments, some fighting as um, brothers do. I know my brother and I. You know we um, we we you know we grew up together, and I know I'm kind of drifting off topic here, but it was a conversation I recently had with with my sister and and with my mom and and why things. You know, bother me and bother my brother w- when it involves each other. And, and I don't know if you guys remember, I might not have told said story, but my brother was super aggravated at me for, you know, not getting to the point and asking about how Michael being potty trained was going. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on, on the on the show before, but, um, and so, you know, long story short, it just aggravated me, and I'm sure it aggravated him, and my sister made a great point a couple months ago, just kind of, I don't know if she told my mom or not, but she said, you know, um, I think things matter to you guys more. Because you guys grew up together and were always around, and it, you know, makes you happy when things are going good and aggravates the crap out of you when things are going bad. And, and so, like, I feel like anybody else could have, you know, been had the same conversation, but like, because it's me, um, the expectation for me to be so involved in in my brother and in his family's lives the best i can um is is a greater importance now he would never admit it i don't i don't think he ever would um he would try to say no i want everybody to be involved in michael's life and i'm sure he does he absolutely does um he it's uh, he doesn't care about you know, himself. He doesn't care if you have an interest in what you're what he's doing. In fact, sometimes he prefers not to talk about it, especially if it's, you know, work related. But he wants everybody to be involved in in Michael's life. And and rightfully so. It's his son. It's his first son. Um and it just it's it's a big deal. And um, and it's understandable. I mean, you know, I I get it. I really do. Um, but like I said, I, I just feel like we get aggravated at each other and at each other's throat on certain things that we wouldn't be if it was like my sister Ashley or or my sister Nicole, you know, and. It's it's hard for me to kind of bring you guys into this conversation. You're probably already lost, probably already bored with it, I don't know. But just kind of, you know, some putting some things that on on my mind out there right now and um either way my my sister made a great point. And I would have I would have to agree, you know, um I, about what she said. So but anyway, I I can, you know, I, I can see both s and and e you know having that similar relationship you know and then there's some t- with the good and the bad and it, it it is really really exciting um and so but there are some things that you know you that can happen you know s has been an only child for a while and and now his little brother comes into the world and and so who knows how how he's going to respond, and that that's kind of the thought process i know my my nephew gage you know has some he's at odds with his with with fallen a lot you know because you know he was by himself for a little bit, and then some of this is you know his, their dad's thing you know he never wanted a girl and now you know she she's wrapped around his finger and and most certainly the favorite from from his perspective my sisters you don't play favorites and for that reason and so and i'm not saying that um that that's going to happen here in this situation you know but i guess what i'm what i'm saying is that i would you know i want to pray for all that and just you know i'm i'm so excited so Father, I pray for for Zach and and his 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 family and his his two sons, um, and I I pray that you would just be with that family, allow allow uh, Zach to and and Ariana to get some sleep, and uh, um, and I know they're gonna do great. They've done great with with S up to this point, and and he he's growing and and very smart and you know, just dominating the, the, the toddler life. Um, but, but now, um, E is, is in, in the picture and Lord, um, you, you you know how that goes, you know, what's going to happen before we do. And you know, the beginning of the end of both these boys life and this family's life as, um, as it is. And I, I pray that, um, that these boys grow up together and love each other and, and have each other's back and, and, and defend one another. And Lord, we know that there will be, you know, fights and disagreements and, you know, the old saying boys will be boys. And, um, uh, but I, I pray that it would be the, the best overall experience. And I, I'm believing for it. And, um, it's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I, I can picture it now, just them hanging out together all the time, getting in trouble together all the time. Um, and, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a great, great ride. And so I, but I, I do just pray that, that, that you, they, um, will, um, come to know you at, at the right age and. Um, that they, they take life seriously, but also learn to have fun. Don't grow up too fast. And uh, I just, I just pray that, 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 um, you have your will in your way in all these situations. Um, and, uh, I thank you for the, these, uh, um, young boys and soon to be young men of God. Um, that, that's, that's what I pray and just pray a special blessing on both of them. Um, that, uh, they will come, you know, they will walk with you and come to know you, like I said, at, at a, at a, uh, ripe young and appropriate age. Um, and, uh, I, I just pray, uh, all these things. I pray that, uh, S doesn't get jealous of E and E doesn't get jealous of S and, and they, you know, they just get along, you know, and, and we know that it's not going to be perfect, but they just, everything goes well. And I'm so thankful for, for my friends. And, uh, um, you know, I extend this, this prayer and this, uh, congratulations to them. And, and, uh, um, I, I pray, uh, against, uh, postpartum depression. I pray against, um, you know all these different things that um, a, a mother, not just of one, but now of two, face a father of not just one of, but now of two, face, and and just um, every decision from here and out is um, with uh, with with you involved, and I um, I thank you for them and bless them in your morning name I pray. Amen. I appreciate you, Zach, and I love you, man. I love your family. Um and uh I hope that was uh appropriate. Um and uh thank you for allowing me to do that. And uh yeah. But uh anyway, um we have uh just just uh Diamondbacks and uh and Cardinals uh today. About even. Uh, maybe a little bit more Cardinals because, you know, the length of some of the things we're going to go through. But sound credits is uh, very simple. Uh, DBACKS.com gives us uh, the re- game recap Tori Lovello, um, uh, Brandon Fott, Corbin Carroll, and then uh, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports, their YouTube page. They, they, uh, um, talk about Corbin Carroll, so we'll, you know, hear from Corbin Carroll himself, and then we'll talk about Corbin Carroll that has been impressing all year, and especially throughout these playoffs, and then, um then uh, uh JG spoke to the media on, um, on Monday, and, um, and I didn't, put that in for yesterday's show because I, I wanted to do it this way and so azcardinals.com gives us uh, jonathan gannon um and then your typical tuesday um uh, from yesterday drew petzing nick Rollis, and uh, jeff rogers so the coordinators um and so i i you know that's part of the reason why i saved it but you you hear from all four uh, men um and uh you know Apologies to Josh Jones and Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Not that you'll ever hear this, but um, I'm not going to clu- include include uh, Josh Jones, um, uh, or no Josh Woods, excuse me. Mr. and Mrs. Woods and, and Josh Woods himself, not Josh Jones. We do we do have a Josh Jones, but actually we did, but he's he's been uh, traded. So anyway. Um, and then uh yeah, that's it. So azcardinals.com, dbacks.com, and then uh, uh, YouTube page uh, of Arizona Sports. So that's your that's your sound credits. Um, we'll get into Diamondbacks up next and uh, talk a potential sweep. That's going to be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the cheddar bacon barbecue burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good... I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Moya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy, Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Well let's go, D Backs and D fans. Um one more win. That's all I need. The Diamondbacks uh did end up uh pulling off the win um last night and uh no excuse me Monday night uh and won four to two. Um talked about the game a little bit, but uh we'll get into it now. Zach Allen five and a third, five hits Two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. South Frank still remains absolutely perfect, although I think this is the it – it's it's something no one else is talking about. If you've been listening to Big Sky Sports Talk uh, um, for a little while now, pre- uh, unofficially presented by Mooyah Billings, I think I'm going to start doing that, give them more, more plugs every time I mention my own name. Um, then you know that I have um, – been talking about Andrew Solfrank uh and and just remaining perfect. Now I think that like I said this is, might be the only game that um uh he still has not allowed a, an earned run. Uh I think um this game well th- this game he allowed an unearned, unearned run. It gets uh tagged to Zach Gallen. Um But most of the time, he pitches a full inning. He only went a a third of an inning this time. One hit, uh, one walk, and a strikeout. Um, But like I said, you know, perfect is perfect, you know. What what changes that is if it's a earned run, and he still hasn't allowed that, regardless of how you say it or how you split it. And like I said, no one is talking about that, and he's a rookie, so – Super excited and proud of him. Uh, Ryan Thompson went one and a third um, with a strikeout. Um, Kevin Ginkle, uh, one inning, walked one and a strikeout. And Seawall shut it down one inning with one strikeout. Um, this bullpen as a whole, no earned runs at all throughout these playoffs. So, and that's uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 to four, no, two on, yeah, they are outscoring the Dodgers 15 to four with the last two games and all four runs get tagged to the starter Um, and you're fine with that you know because the the starter they you know they can give up runs you just don't need to give up a lot of runs and um and normally i guess you can say you're fine with the bullpen you know um maybe the rest of the way giving up one but they've given up zero so um like that's absolutely insane absolutely insane Carmen Carroll went one for two. Quetel Marte, two for five. Tommy fan as a DH, two for five. Uh, Christian Walker, 0 oh for three. Um, Gabby Moreno, 0 oh for four. Lourdes Gurriel uh, two for four and a home run. Um, Alec Thomas, 0 oh for four. Evan Longoria, one for three. Um, Jordan Lawler was a pinch runner. Um, Emmanuel Rivera, uh also a uh, um, plate appearance, but uh, zeroes. And then uh, Perdomo 0 for 1. Um, Diamondbacks, uh, Zach Gallen gets the win instead so of the second win in uh, the postseason. Uh, Miller gets the loss after only going one and two thirds. Uh, giving up four hits, three runs, one strikeout, and two walks. Uh, Seawall gets the save. Uh, Diamondbacks four runs on eight hits and an error, and then the Dodgers uh, two runs on six hits, no errors, um, and this is uh, this is how it all went down.
1: Their Hall of Fame left-hander Clayton Kershaw was not himself in Game 1. Bobby Miller, a rookie who didn't even start the season with the club, began the year in the minor leagues, he's got to get them even tonight. He'll be opposed by Zach Gallen, fifth in the Cy Young voting a year ago. He'll get some Cy Young support this year. He started the All-Star game for the National League and won 17 games for the D-backs.
2: And then on the offense, Corbin Carroll has really done what he's done all season long for them. Six for 12 in the postseason, two home runs, four RBIs and five runs scored
1: walked in dangerous thing to do he swiped 54 in 59 attempts Ketel Marte switch hitter was the leadoff man against the
3: left-hander Kershaw
1: in on game one
3: and he bunts down the third baseline and that's an infield hit and the first two have reached On a walk, and now a bunch single by Marte to open the night. What a fantastic idea by Marte, executed it perfectly.
1: Already they've got something going here against Miller. The 2-2 pitch. Little looper in the left field, and it will drop in front of Peralta, and the bases will be loaded. With nobody out, even the speedy Carroll held at third base.
3: And Christian Walker at the plate.
1: A drive to center Outman turns going way back with a leap and he makes the catch against the wall. The runners tag at least the two lead runners do Carroll scores Marte to third one nothing Arizona.
3: Runners at first and third and the batter is Gabby Moreno with one man out. Uncontested stolen base now second and third two two
1: pitch from Miller to Moreno. Is bounced to short. It'll play to run. Rojas's throw. Takes care of Moreno, but it's 2-0 Arizona.
3: Fam holds it second. Two outs in the inning, but a 2-0 Diamondback lead. And here's Guriel now with the runner still in scoring position.
1: Goriel lines it to center. This will bring another run home. Here comes Fam, and it's 3-0 Diamondbacks.
4: Another great at bat. This time he got a fastball at 99.8 miles an hour, and he turned it around and hit it 104 right back up the middle.
1: Miller trying to put an end to a difficult first.
5: And he does with the breaking ball. But the Diamondbacks plate three in the top of the first on three hits, leave one.
1: Mookie Betts, whether he wins it or not, has put together an MVP caliber season, 307, 39 homers. Drove in more than 100, scored more than 100. Lifts this one in the air to right. And now, over his last 31 postseason at bats, dating to the 2021 LCS, Mookie is just three for 31.
5: Betts Freeman. Muncie and Martinez combined to go 0 for 12. Grounded hard
1: and fair. Gloved by Walker. Gallon to the bag. Who gets there first? It's Freddie.
3: A sheer hustle of Freddie Freeman. Turns it into an infield hit. Back to first Freeman, and that's two outs for Max Muncy. Freeman will run on the 3-2 pitch. <laughs> a walk to put
5: runners at first and second. Now J.D. Martinez stepping in.
3: Swing and a miss. He struck him out. The inning's over. So Gallant gets into a little trouble, but gets out of it. And the Dodgers fail to score an after one. It's 3-0 action So if you get a couple guys on base, at least a, a
5: guy on base so between lagoria and Perdomo, then you can flip that lineup over and get another shot at him.
1: Line drive to left. For a Base hit. Good at bat for Longoria. And he's on to lead off the second. So, if Roberts has to go to his bullpen early, it's not what he wants, but it's not as disastrous as it might otherwise be because his bullpen is rested. He squares. He pushes it toward third. Once he looks at second, his only play is to first. Successful sacrifice. Nice job by Perdomo.
3: They may be getting somebody loose. Getting ready to get loose in the bullpen. And ball four, he walked in for the second time.
1: And it brings up Cattell Marte.
6: Well, Bob, only six change ups for Bobby Miller so far. And that's interesting because he told me yesterday my change up is the most important pitch. I can't only throw it to lefties, I have to throw it to righties to keep them off my fastball, too, like Ron, you were saying.
1: Off his fists, a little pop and foul ground.
2: Smith and Freeman. Will Smith, the catcher. Nice play. What a play by Smith. First, the pitch in on his fists. When he saw that Freddie wasn't going to be able to make the play, he knew it was all his. Fine play by Will. How about this? Tommy Pham, who has
1: been hot, coming to the plate. And in this situation, down a game and down three runs, Roberts will not go any longer with Miller. Bruce Gratterol has fired 25 consecutive scoreless innings dating back to July 25th. Two on, two out. And Pham bounces one towards short. Rojas charges, flips on the run, and puts a quick end to the top of the second.
5: Into the bottom of the second we go with Jason Hayward, David Peralta, James Alton coming up.
1: And he strikes out here. Second K put in the book by Zach
3: Gallen. The pitch swung on and lifted into the air, shallow center. On comes Thomas under it, and he's got it for round number two. Versus the Dodgers for Zach Gallen in 11 starts.
2: Good ERA. Many times he suffered from lack of run support.
3: And a swing and a miss. Gallen sets the side down in order with two strikeouts in the second inning. Alec Thomas will lead off the fourth.
1: <laughs> Grinerol has it.
2: At first he might not have realized it. <laughs> he throws Thomas out. Put the backhanded play behind the back. Harlem Globetrotter-like by Gratterall. Nice. To get this out. Now
5: Longoria, who's single the left. It's a 2-2. Longoria takes call strike three on the outside corner, and that's the second out. Here is Perdomo.
1: Well, Gratterall allows his first base runner, walking the number nine hitter on four pitches. who been one for his last 20. Well, this is postseason strategy. Not regular season strategy, fans may not comprehend it, but he wants the left-hander, I'm thinking, to go against Carroll, a very dangerous hitter. And the fans would rather have Gratterall. Well, Gratterall's a favorite because he (laughs) blows people away and sometimes hits 100 miles an hour. Well, the Dodgers had a left-hander, Alex Vesey, throwing in the bullpen. And we might have assumed that that's who would come out to face the left-handed hitting Corbin Carroll. But instead, it's the veteran right-hander, Ryan Brazier, who's warming up now. Perdomo takes off, Smith pegs to second. And they got him. Will Smith
5: throws out Geraldo for Domo. That will end the inning.
1: So with two out and nobody on, here's J.D. Martinez who struck out in the first. High fly ball. This one goes deeper to right. Carroll goes back. He's at the wall with a
5: leap and it's gone. It kept going and going and going and Carroll times his leap. Couldn't quite reach it. The Dodgers are on the board. It is three to one. Second walk gallon's given up. And Rojas coming up.
1: Into center field for a base hit. Altman will stop at second. The Dodgers have the tying runs on. This feels like the time. Yeah, now would be a very good time for Mookie Betts to break out of his postseason doldrums. A chopper. They'll get at least one here, and that's all they'll get. And there are runners at first and third with two outs. And the chant of Freddie, Freddie, for their first baseman who hit 331. Full count, crowd on its feet,
4: 3-2. Strike, three called, he got him with a curve. Freeman looking hard, he got soft, and the inning is over. Dodgers strand two, they do not score. Two innings from Bruce Dark Gratterall, and now an inning and two-thirds for Brazier.
1: Scuriel comes to the plate. He lifts one to deep left. Back goes Peralta, and he will watch it leave the yard. Solo shot for Gurriel.
5: It's his first of the postseason, and the Diamondbacks get that run right back. It's four to one. What a huge home run that is! First and second, one out, and the tying run
1: comes to the plate with one out in the sixth. He'll go to the left-hander, Andrew Salfran, and we'll see how Roberts counters that move. With the left-hander coming into the game as expected, Chris Taylor comes off the Dodger bench. It misses, and the bases are loaded for Tiki Hernandez. The pitch. Bouncer toward the middle. No play. Marte smothered it, but everybody's safe and a run scores. It is now four to two. Martinez at third, Taylor at second, and Hernandez at first for Outman. Swing and a miss, strike three.
2: Huge strikeout for Solfrank. Well, that sinking fastball. The 2-0 pitch was out of the strike zone that Outman swung at that got Solfrank back into the count. Lovello coming out to make another change big out by Saul Frank and hands it off to Ryan Thompson a little bit surprising because Colton Wong hit just 183 between
1: the Mariners who released him and a bit of duty with the Dodgers but in this situation the only left handed bat. Chopper to the right side it's a fair ball Walker's got it takes it himself and the threat is over the Dodgers, they get
5: one on three hits and a walk, but they leave them loaded. As we head to the top half of the seventh inning. Kelly, the fourth Dodger pitcher of the night. So second and third, two out. Two balls, two strikes. Here it comes. Swung on and missed strike three, and that will end the inning. No runs, two hits, two left. Seventh inning stretch, game two of the National League Division Series. So Bets is aboard. The Dodgers bring the tying run
2: to home plate here in the seventh inning. That's a foul ball. Freeman fouled that ball right off his leg. That slider just running in on him. And that one smarted.
5: Robertson the trainer returned to the third base
2: dugout. The 1-2
1: pitch. Bounce to the right side. Marte gets bets. Can they get Freeman?
3: Yes they can. Freeman limping. And you wonder how much that foul ball played a part of that double play ball. He didn't hit it real hard. Thompson is turning himself into Brad Ziegler. Clone.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Here's the one-two. On the corner, strike three.
3: So, an error by Thompson. He pitches around that by getting the double play ball off the bat of Freeman. On the night, Walker has hit a sacrifice fly driving on a run, lined out hard to right field, lined out hard to first base, and walked. So, he'll bat here with the bases loaded. It's a pitch from Evan Phillips. Swung on and missed strike three, and that will end the inning.
5: No runs, one hit, three left.
3: Last licks for the Dodgers. Hernandez has had one pitch at bat. Now he's back in the sixth inning. Got an infield hit. He steps in against Seawald.
1: Seawald's 1-2 delivery. Is ripped to left. Oh, a difficult chance for Goriel Jr. Maybe he made it so. Might have misjudged a little bit. Was hit very hard, but right at
3: him. 1-2 the count here on Altman with one out in the ninth. The pitch. Swing at a miss. He struck him out. Two outs in the ninth inning, and here's Wong. Mookie Betts moves out on deck. Wong, grounded out, is only at bat as a pitch hitter in the sixth inning. In
1: the air to center field, and the Arizona Diamondbacks, who finished 16 games behind the Dodgers during the regular season, go into Milwaukee and win them both, sweeping the wild card series. Come into Dodger Stadium and come away with a two-game lead as they go back to Arizona in this best three out of five.
0: Man, how about that Diamondbacks? They go up three to nothing. Then there's a solo shot, and then uh, so now their lead is cut to two, and then they answer back with the uh, Lourdes Gurriel home run, and they so so they go back up three. They answered every run um, that. Well, it makes me sound an idiot, like an idiot. They almost answered every run that the Dodgers put up, with the exception of their last run. Um, but it doesn't really matter because they they won the game um, anyway. Uh, game three is uh, like I said uh, today, and um, today also I buried the lead a little bit uh it is my birthday. So, um happy birthday to me and the I I couldn't be more thrilled about um my birthday if the Diamondbacks end up sweeping the Dodgers. That would be such a great feeling. And they've been the underdog all playoffs. They continue to do so as LA even though they're on the road. 58% uh, uh win win projection over the diamondbacks forty two percent but uh game three and maybe something maybe this has a little bit to do with it uh diamondbacks are turning to Brandon Fought um and will face Lance Lynn so righty against righty um and uh having said that here is Tori Lovello um You know, on just that. Brandon fought starting game three.
7: I think there's an inward confidence that he has that he was born with and when he is a little insecure or unsure about something you don't know it. And we ask that a lot. We ask for that to be the case with all of our pitchers because I think good hitters smell blood and they can sense what's happening on the mound. I can't describe it. For those that have played the game they know what I'm talking about. But I think overall you can't tell what, when he's having a good or a bad day. And, and I think he was born with that. I've asked these guys to have the same mindset today that they had yesterday and they'll have tomorrow. And that is, how can I do my job to the best of my ability? How can I help my team win a baseball game? And it's nothing is more important than right now. Um, the Dodgers are coming. They're the, we, we are expecting their absolute best. Uh, and we're ready for that opportunity. I think he has an inward confidence that he was born with. I think he feels that his preparation and his, his, the intensity of his preparation has, has prepared him for this moment. There is a certain degree of mental toughness that we all see from where I am every single day that maybe the common fan just assumes that he has. Um, and then there's a focus that's fairly unmatched, so I think when he feels the doubt that everybody feels in any type time of your life or in any type of industry that you're in. I think he stands on what he knows he's good at.
0: So, um, a, a lot of, you know, pronouns, a lot of he's and they's in, in that. And, uh, what emo, you know, and, and I'm not going to be upset about any Tori Lavella sound I get. Cause I, I never get it. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, MLB TV is the one that delivers that, and uh, you know, uh, and uh dbacks.com they they post it. But the first couple of he's was talking about Brandon fought, and and of course the days were the opposing team, opposing hitters. Uh, the second um, thing he said is he said was there you can tell the question was asked what what's the what is the message to the team and and he said well I, I mean i expect them to to do uh, you know i've asked them to do the whole time and uh uh i know we just heard it but i can't exactly remember but you know that to um basically uh um play the way they've been playing and then the last he was on Corbin Carroll and how Corbin Carroll has reacted um, to all this. We'll get we'll get Corbin Carroll's thoughts, but first we we want to talk about the first he and um and the expectation on the team and and one, and then Brandon fought the confidence that um, was mentioned by Tor Lavello. So here is Brandon fought. You know he, he's he, he's starting game three, so we'll uh, hear from him.
8: I think both times uh, going down, coming back up has been an adjustment. Uh, there was some adjustments made both times I went down and coming back up, the results got better and better every time. So I think that just speaks volumes to the coaches down there and the development. Yeah, this is a. Uh, a good Dodgers lineup. So I think mixing is going to be the, the major key, especially early on. Um, in Milwaukee, it was mainly fastball slider. And I think there's some adjustments that we that need to be made. And uh, that's kind of been the, the learning point going forward is being able to not show your strengths first time through and then adjust. Um, so I think there's definitely something that a good game plan going forward into this game. And, um, kind of what build off what Marilyn Zach have done so far. It doesn't only help me, but it helps the whole team. Um, having this momentum going into the third game, two zero. Uh, I think it's huge for for not only the pitching but the hitting too. They've been they've been lights out. So obviously uh, the hitters get heating up. Helps the pitching and vice versa. Anytime Chase sells out, that's that's uh, good for everybody. So i think it's definitely something to look forward to and and it should be an awesome experience
0: obviously a lot of different questions asked there but you can kind of you know get a feel of you know the first question being you know brandon how brandon feels about you know how far he's come you know he he made the initial roster was sent down got called back up sent back down and now he's up and now he's he started t- uh two, um uh playoff games one you know he he will start today against the Dodgers and he's already started um against the the Brewers and then you know asked about the the hitting of the Dodgers and what the game plan is um obviously asked, asked about you know what he thinks about Chase Field being sold out um and uh, I can't remember the other ones but you you know you get you get the point of wh- you know where he's going now I don't know if you guys notice but his voice is really really shaky he was asked um before his start um against the Brewers you know how he's feeling if he was nervous and he said <laughs> with that same shaky voice, I'm more nervous doing this than I am, you know, going out on the mound. And you can hear it, you know. It, I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> the very uh, shaky kind of voice. And it apparently, um, you know, press conferences, public speaking is, is not Brandon Fott's uh, strong suit. Um let's hear from Corbin Carroll. You know, he 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 it was pra- has been praised about by his manager um already, you know, the the conversation of Corbin Carroll has just been uh absolutely insane that he has you know led this team and you know I me personally I just can't believe that we have him for 10 years. Um it's you know it, it's great, and and this team seems to go uh, with you know is feeding off of Corbin Carroll's confidence, and so let let's you know Corbin, you know the what do you what do you feel so far? You know the you you guys have won four straight games, four straight playoff games at that. Um, what what's 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 the thought process going in to? Uh, today's game well well for you you're you know going into tomorrow for you but for us today
9: my personal take and personal sense of it is you know there's we're we're playing with urgency i think everyone's going out there tomorrow and and treating it like a a must-win game i think that's kind of just the approach that we've had all postseason this is a great dodgers team things in baseball can, can flip in an instant i think everyone understands the importance of trying to do it tomorrow uh, it's, it's really like a, a position player's dream to, to play behind. Um, just, just attacks guys, goes right after them, nasty stuff. You know, led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year, so it's all around a treat to play behind. Putting up uh, you know, nine runs early, that, or that one game early, um, that was probably one of the most fun times I've had playing baseball. Obviously no, no lead is safe, but just maybe a, a little bit more feeling of, of relaxed and like that, that was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. When I got drafted in '19, um, from that year on, like I've heard multiple times, just how how loud Chase was and how cool it was to see, you know, just Chase in that way. But I guess my answer is this is this is where I want to be. This is what I've worked for. This is what this team has worked for. I'm trying to enjoy it for what it is and take it a day at a time, and um, you know. But this is just winning in the postseasons. You know what's what's cooler than that.
0: Man, Corbin ain't nothing cooler than that. I'll you know, I, I can tell you that right now. I don't even play. Um, obviously Corbin Carroll's had a lot of uh talk and continues to impress. It's something that a conversation that uh um Luke Lipinski and Jody Jackson and as you notice I didn't say Wolf. And if you know the show, it's Wolf and Luke. And this is the Wolf and Luke show on a ninety eight seven FM. But um, unfortunately, um Wolf uh he has uh older brother Craig and a younger brother Dale and um obviously he, he you know I've heard him multiple times of his love for both his both his brothers and well um the other day I wanna say Sunday um Sunday uh, maybe maybe it was Saturday. I'm not sure which day it was. Um, but Dale Wolfley um, passed away in his sleep at f- 56, and so Jody Jackson, um, filled in for um Wolf uh yesterday uh, for their show, and Tim Ring filled in um for for Monday's show. Uh, so, here is uh, Luke and Jody talking about, you know, how Corbin Carroll.
4: Stats tweeted this out last night. Corbin Carroll, four postseason games so far, all right? Seven hits, six runs, five walks, four RBI, four team wins, three extra base hits, two home runs. Okay, now, I, only... One other player in MLB history has reached all those numbers over any four-game span in the postseason, and that was Lou Gehrig in the wow. late 20s and early 30s.
10: Is that good? No, yeah. <laughs> It's like, is that good? Oh, my goodness. Gosh, and, you have to go back that far, and to a player like Lou Gehrig, wow, it's incredible. And I know um, there's a lot of qualifiers on that. It just means he's been really, really productive
4: there are a lot the, of qualifiers, but each qualifier is another thing he's accomplished. Yeah. Like I that's, mean, the at bats, I mean,
10: even the walks in the playoffs, I feel like the walks are sometimes as impactful as the hits. And to have two homers, he's been he's been amazing. He's
4: been on base an average of three times per game in these four games. Now, I was telling you during the break, there's always somebody on, on X or Twitter or whatever, right? There's always somebody with the second response. Well, you know, Lou Gehrig did it in World Series games, so it's not the same. Yeah, look, nobody's saying Corbin Carroll's better than Lou Gehrig. But these are Corbin Carroll's first four playoff games ever, <laughs> We're buddy. just getting a glimpse. <laughs> and they're the only two that have ever done it in baseball history. So if you want to say it's not comparable to Lou Gehrig, how about to every other player that's ever played the game of baseball? It's comparable to all of them, and it's better than all of them. It's crazy what Corbin Carroll has been able to do. And you said it earlier, Jody, he – you, you never get the sense that he's in over his head or, yeah. you know, he's probably not going to average three, three uh, getting on base three times a game for his entire playoff career. <laughs> that would be absurd, but you, you never get a sense that it's it's a fluke or that he's playing above his head at all.
10: Yeah, he's just, again, he's so process oriented. He's got a plan in everything that he does. It's based in years of working at it and knowing what works for him. And uh yeah, the, the note came over yesterday, Carroll reaching base 11 times in his first four postseason games. Um, again, it's the slug, it's the walks, you know, whatever he can do. He's just got so many tools. Um, actually, another note was he was the first D-back to walk three times in a postseason game. So, yeah, the walks were really big last night, especially I talked about it earlier in the show in that first inning where he didn't even have to swing the bat. Um, Bobby Miller was kind of spraying it around. There were two called strikes. It was a three 2 count. And, you know, he ended up walking and that's the smart. He's just a, he's such a smart player. Yeah. And he knows what the moment calls for. And yeah, there's been, I think there were like two plays. I think one was on defense. One might've been base running, like where he's made a mistake this year and you're just kind of blown away. And then you're How like, well, dare you? he is only 23. <laughs> he has only been in the league, you know, a year plus he came up at the end of last year. And so, okay, he's human, but. He knows what the moment calls for, and he's usually got the physical tools to answer with it, and it is it is truly like the thread through this Diamondback season. The other thing that's impressed me about him, and this isn't so much right now when we're talking about what he's doing in the spotlight of the postseason, but this goes back to during the season, what I witnessed. He had the, the time where he banged into the wall in Colorado in the knee, and he and he continued to play. He didn't run as much, but he he will do whatever it takes to stay in the lineup each yep. and every day, which is that may sound obvious, but this is baseball. It's 162 games and a, and a lot of people if they're nursing something, you know, they they will not play or they'll take a few and He just he just never did. I mean, he did he did miss a few days here and there, but I mean, he was fighting all the time to be in there if he was physically capable in any way. And he wasn't always 100%, and that's impressive at his age. And then the other thing with him is just, you know, the high character that you see each and every day, what he brings to the to the team from a standpoint of kind of a quiet leadership, I would I would almost say. But those are the things that really have impressed me all year. And they just – so in a way, it doesn't surprise me. When he gets in these moments, he's just doing what he always does, which is – you know, again, back to that process of the preparation every day. And he said it last night uh, on the field, someone was interviewing him and he said, this is why we do this. And for a young man to only, he's only played, you know, he rose through the minors, even with the injury, he rose through the minors quickly, came up here. I mean, last year, yeah, they weren't in the postseason, but then now his first full year and they're doing what they're doing here. It, It strikes me that for him to say that, like, this is why we do what we do, is to be here in the postseason. And he was a big part of why it's happening. It's like, wow. He,
4: he is, you said it right in there, he's the poster child for for preparedness, right? I mean, they always say, like, okay, well, one of the best ways to cut down on anxiety or nerves about something is to be as prepared as you can be. They, the, the Diamondbacks could have an ultra-talented outfielder, right? I mean, you see it on other teams, you see it in other sports, but he is wired differently to the point where, like, I'll keep going back to that time Wolf and I were out uh, at Chase Field earlier this season. It was before the All-Star game. It was probably like a month before the All-Star game. And we were interviewing him right before the game, and we were talking about the contract. And he said, I want to get to a point where... People are calling me and telling me, hey, man, you're underpaid. You got ripped yeah. off, you know, at some point. <laughs> and we finished the interview. And we're like, wow, like, you don't you don't hear any player ever say that, especially somebody who is 20. I think he was 22 at that point. Uh, and then we looked like, the next segment, we were like, he's kind of already underpaid.
10: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who says that in, you know, athletics? I mean, yeah, not, there's just, you don't you don't hear that some sometimes you hear guys so focused on getting their value and for him to not be you know he him even making that commitment to the d-backs early on is like shows and he said i'm comfortable here i want to be comfortable that's where i thrive so that to me was the answer of why were you willing to do this And and he said it and it's just uh the other thing about him though and it's really i've noticed it more as the season has gone on he's very serious at times but he has fun he likes to have fun with these guys. He and Gabby Moreno are actually really close, and they have a good because they're each going to be here for 20 years if I have any <laughs> say. <laughs> that's great news for the Devast. <laughs> and him and Alec, I mean, I mean, the whole team. This this team is uh, there's that youth of the guys that have come up together, and they're really and they're having fun. And then the older guys join in with that too. They fit in. Everybody has fit in really well with it. And yeah. uh, so it, it's like he's serious, but he's he's smiling a lot. He's enjoying himself, and um, that's really what makes it this i think that people are seeing that on a national stage now that's really cool to see when they're on these watching these games hopefully they're seeing you know these d-backs they're feisty they're spirited and they're having a lot of fun
4: well and carol for uh if you want another stat is tied for the uh, major league lead in these playoffs with josh young of texas for uh, most total bases at 14. Um, here's dave roberts after the game he was asked what makes this guy so difficult to play against
11: you know it's the speed component it's the bat to ball it's uh you know, when he does put the ball on the ground, it's, there's still a chance for an infield hit. Um, and he controls his own. You know, even Bobby today, in that first at bat, he threw some a couple borderline pitches. And um, the moment clearly isn't getting too big for him. And uh, he knows how to conduct at bats.
4: You know, the other part of this, Jody, is you've got Corbin Carroll doing everything you would hope he could do and more from really day one. He, in these playoffs, he drove in the first couple D-backs uh, runs against Milwaukee with that home run. The flip side in this series, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, of two Hall of Famers, have really not done much. Torrey Lavella talked about that after the game.
7: They're, they're unbelievable baseball players. Um, you know, obviously one I know very well. Um, and I'm, we're making pitches. Our pitchers have been throwing the baseball very, very well. And you got to because they are they're, they're two of the best baseball players in the National League. I'm sorry, two of the best ball players two of the best baseball players in MLB, so you got to make pitches. So I think our pitchers are
4: sequencing and landing pitches in the right spots. Those two are a combined one for 13 so far in the yeah. series. Yeah,
10: and even the one was an infield hit, nothing, you know, not a lot of slug involved. I, I go back to something Ryan Thompson said last night. They're playing every game like it's a game seven right now, and that the other team, the other thought that he shared was that the other team would have to play their very best baseball just to get one game from the Diamondbacks right now
4: that's a great point
10: and I, I think and pitching coaches can speak to this pitchers too is you know when you're in the middle of a season and you you know you're not everybody's more dialed in in the postseason hitters and, and pitchers so I it really does go both ways I mean Betts and Freeman as well but this this bullpen right now and they have a little different look to them some guys that you know they're not as used to seeing um Betts and Freeman that is and I think that's part of the plan. The part of the plan was to unveil some new twists to a team like the Dodgers. And, and we've seen them. They have completely flipped the script on the Dodgers. And uh, they're executing their pitches even to these guys that are stars in the game and let's just hope it continues
4: yeah well I mean the crazy thing is absolutely let's hope it continues there's there's no place any team would rather be in right now than where the Diamondbacks and the Rangers are those two teams are in the best yeah. spot in all of baseball text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620 620 right now I like this response coming in from the 602 they text in they said I think the D-backs should pitch Merrill Kelly in game three we need to shut that door and not give the Dodgers a chance to grab a win um it's been nice having Kelly and, and Gallon pitching pretty yeah, much every game. Yeah, I mean, there's still the, you can't.
10: Good. Yeah, I don't think you want to mess with uh, that. That's not even feasible. It's really nice to right have now. them in four and five. Yeah, anyway, I think you, you trust. To. That's part of the thing. They've they trust the guys on the on the roster, and you know Brandon fought. He'll he'll go. He'll give him what he can give him. They did pull him fairly early in Milwaukee. It still worked out, and the offense picked him up, and the bullpen picked him up. Mm-hmm.
0: That uh, one for thirteen. Um, between uh Betts and um uh Freeman, that that infield was Freddie Freeman, and he wouldn't have had it if Zach Gallen wasn't, you know, playing observer instead of what he was supposed to do. And cover first base um and even then Zach Zach gallon almost almost beat uh Freddie to the bag but didn't but if Zach gallon was focused in and, and, and you know I I don't know what happened he got lost in play whatever um but they would be oh for 13 and that that's crazy because you know they are uh two of the better players and hitters in the league and, and it's definitely in the national league and you know 1 for 13 crazy 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 i'm feeling more and more uh, confident in uh a sun sons in a d-backs and four um but you know like said a sweep is very very possible um let's go ahead and, and move on to uh the Suns, the Suns. Gosh, Suns are on my mind. They had a preseason game that they, they lost but none of the stars for the um for the Suns played. Um but let's go ahead and go on to um the uh, Cardinals. And that that's up next on uh, Big Sky Sports Talk. As per usual, uh, Jonathan Gannon spoke to the media for his media availability on uh, Monday, and uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, dive into it. He uh, talks about uh, a couple of the injury updates, and then he kind of looking ahead um, to the upcoming week. So here is uh, Jonathan Gannon. What do, you, uh, what do you like about
11: Tony Jones that you would want to? Claim him and
12: what does that mean for James? Uh doesn't mean anything for James right now, but um, yeah, just a guy that we felt um, possibly help us and um, instinctive guy, powerful, um, good player. Not yet. Kind of sorting through it still, Cam. What about Jalen? Sorting through that one too. Not trying to be coy with you guys, it just it takes a little bit of time to figure out you know injuries and opinions from people and what's the best thing to do with everybody, so still sorting it out
0: uh tony jones uh former saints running back, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him um but uh uh James connor uh did land on the i r and he will be out a minimum of uh four weeks. I don't know what is injury i know they said on the broadcast knee but they never said exactly what it was i don't know if it maybe he just kind of jammed it you know and it kind of twisted it a little bit and you know in the grass on the last that last uh, big run he had I, I don't know i don't know if it it warrants 4 weeks but when you put a guy on uh, ir you, you have to be out a minimum of uh, 4 weeks
13: Obviously, game disappointed with the way the secondary played after you know really looking at it and seeing the film and everything. Are you, uh, yeah, I, still, what did you think about
12: that? honestly, more disappointed in myself, truthfully. Um, just feel like I think that uh, we could have put our guys in some better spots, <laughs> but then you know, there's also a point of details and execution and leverages and knowing where your help is and those things that we got to do a better job of. Um, we talked about it today with him, but um, I just felt like uh, we just could have did a little bit better job from a coaching standpoint to put our guys in better spots.
0: I like uh, how he takes ownership as the head coach, and of course, a former uh, defensive uh, play caller. And I know his you know his fingerprints are all over the defense, uh, but it you know he also co- calls out the players. Hey, we you know. You guys got to execute what's called, and uh, I I like that about JG.
6: Joshua's earlier, and I asked about the goal line stand and kind of what was going on when you had the third and one to stop, fourth and one to stop. When you're on the sidelines, big big back to back plays like that. I mean, what are you thinking, especially with your defensive background?
12: You're huge. You know what I mean. Those are tough. It's tough to. Uh stop people inside of the five yard line four downs in a row i think or whatever it was we got the few tackles in there but they they really fought down there and that was that was a big point in the game to try to get a stop there um knowing that they were probably going to go for it there sometimes in the different parts of the game you might hold them to a field goal there i actually thought Mixon after the third down stop that's what he thought too when he threw the ball but um yeah, it was a good job by the defense. Honestly, well executed. We tackled well down there. A couple of good tackles in there. And, um, you know, it was good to keep points off the board there.
8: JJ, how it you top two safeties trying to contain, you know, a star like Jamar Chase back there?
12: Life in the NFL. Figure it out.
8: You know, they say you learn a lot about players and
13: people during tough times. You know, Josh Dobbs out, he didn't have his best game, but he didn't
11: pout. He sat there, mm-hmm. answered every question. His body language was great. Well, what does
12: that say about him? Yeah, game? I mean, he's a pro's pro, and he's smart, and he's accountable, and he wants to win, and he wants to be out there and, and affect the game in a positive way, which I think all of our guys do, you know? And, um, you know, he's um, he's a he's a good teammate to have um, because that's what you want out of your teammates, you know what I mean? So he was awesome in there today, and I uh, look forward to getting back on the grass and going to work. Able to lose that are we trying to – Huge, huge. You need everybody to do that, you know what I mean? And um, – because they look to him. The quarterback position obviously is what it is. And, um, you know, he, he holds his head high and holds himself to a high standard. And, uh, like I said, he's accountable and ready to get to back to work.
5: He talked about uh, last week
11: Talked uh, about, you know, missing so much time because he was such a late addition that the chemistry and connection with some guys – It'll take a while, but they've got a lot back. But it hasn't been there with Hayden Sackertz for whatever we Are you concerned about that? And do you, where do you see that
12: developing? No, I think I mean just being on the practice field and playing in games and knowing where people are going to be and the timing and rhythm of it. I think, you know, not just with one or two guys. I think it's everybody, all 11. You know, we all got to be on the same page, do the right thing. Um, you know, in the passing game, got to protect, got to be in the right spot, got to make the right reads, got to take what the defense gives you, know what we're trying to get out of each play. Uh, long-winded answer, right there, Bob. But no, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was big-time play. Got us kind of jump-started there. I um, think we took the lead with that one, right? And um, he's a good player, man.
6: Two penalties, significantly fewer than every other game. Was there any sort of
12: different emphasis throughout the week on that? Just the education of our players. Honestly, you know things that we've been getting called for. We want to try to clean up, but you know penalties. You guys know how I am. They kind of come and they go, just kind of like takeaways. You don't, you know, bang bang plays. We educate our guys on the refs and what they like to call and the volume that they call them with. but each game's kind of a separate entity, and but I think the improvements that we got to keep making as we move forward is to play penalty free when we can, and especially you know I call certain ones bang bang, they go either way. Um, there are certain penalties though that you can't have, and I call those non-negotiables, and we've done a good job with the non-negotiables so since week one. Um, so that's something that has to stay consistent. You know, you can't plug one hole and then another hole opens up. So, got to keep doing a good job with that. Falls on the coaches first. What's the biggest positive you can take out of yesterday's game? I mean, we're in the game. You know, you had a chance to, to win the game, in my opinion. You know, I, and they made a couple more plays than we did, but our guys fight. Um, and we're we're competitive right now, and every game we're playing, we got to start winning some games, you know. And so we talked about that. How do we do that? So we laid out a blueprint for him and uh, go back to work this week. to
13: see to take advantage of his opportunity? Yeah, You're yeah,
12: ready. yeah, he was ready. He was ready. You know, he's been playing a little bit on third down, and, you know, depending on what happens with the backs here, his role might tick up a little bit, but he's ready to step in there and play football. Um, he was – I kind of gave him a little – a little chat on the sideline, and he was he was good to go, man. So it was it was impressive to see, honestly. How do you uh, how do you assess where Keytral Clark's progress is going right now? Yeah, I mean, we just got to practice every day and keep improving the things that he needs to improve, and he'll be a player for us for a long time.
13: Joshua had Josh said that Nick in the meeting room today compared the defense to a flower, but it's got to be and before it becomes beautiful, it's in the roots. What does the defensive foundation look like to you?
12: Uh, we we stop the run pretty, pretty, pretty good in a light box. Uh, we tackle well. Our violence is there. Our motor is there. We've got to clean up some things, all three levels. Um, some things hurt us in games. Some things don't. But if we don't clean them up, they will hurt us. Um, but that's honestly the foundation of how we're playing defense is, is uh, we play hard. Uh, we tackle pretty well. Uh, we're violent. Our effort's there, which is playing hard. Oh, we just got to f- clean up a few things.
11: You also talked about uh, how exciting it is to be able to play out of these multiple sets. Where defense, you know, I worry about with the offenses. what the offense. But you guys, the way you and Nick have set things up with multiple players, and being adaptable and moving around, it's been fun to watch offenses go, what's going on. you talk about the importance what, and how positive that is?
12: Yeah, I think it's, it's huge. You, you don't want to have a scheme that doesn't match up uh, week to week um, and know that you're at a disadvantage before the ball is snapped. So, um, And it's really a credit to our players because we put a lot on them mentally. We really do. And um, they take the coaching of it. They understand the why behind it. Um, and that's why we got guys that are versatile and different. Some different roles they do during in games, um, from series to series, from play to play. And um, it takes that we put a lot on their plate, and they've done a good job with it. Where we have to improve now with that is the detail, and it starts with coaching first. Is the details and the execution of those calls, and um, and we just got to be a little more sound and on point throughout the week and on game day. Um, to not let some plays happen.
14: When, when you talk about cleaning up things, detail, and all that, is there something you can put your finger on in terms of what in the losses, what's ha- what happens in the fourth quarter?
12: Uh, no, I think all the games are different. Honestly, that's a good question, Howard. I think all the games are different. What I'm looking for is consistently doing what your coach to be do, to do. And like I said, that starts on coaching first to make sure we're doing that throughout the week and then on game day. um, You know, like I say all the time, you know, there's 65 snaps in a ball game or whatever it is 60 of them if you're right, five if you're not. If the ball finds you when you're not, you know, then they make some plays. So just being on all those things consistently is, I think, we take a jump here coming up. Just to follow
14: on that, the last two games, the other team has had like these. Long drives mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter that pretty much just closed closed the door. Yeah, is that just a matter of somebody making a play to get them off the field? No, I
12: think it's all eleven doing their job correctly. You know, because I mean, because it, it, you can go a lot of different ways with that question. I think you know f- how clean are you playing on first and second down, and are you getting off on third down? Are you making them kick field goals in the red zone if they get down there? All those things kind of are you giving up explosives? You know. Um, you know, long drives typically you don't give up explosives, but then we got to do enough on first and second down to get it to third down in our favor to get off the field. You know what I mean? So, um, I always said, what's what's worse, a five-play drive for 75 yards or a 13-play drive for 75 yards? If it's seven points at the end, it's seven points at the end. Um, but the chance, the it's in your favor if you make them go the long hard road. Uh, we just got to make a few plays in there to. Not let them have points. The
8: plan to ramp up Garrett and Dennis this week.
12: Yeah, that's the plan. That's a fair assessment, but we um, we'll see uh, see how they do. You know, we got a plan for both of those guys. Uh, Exactly that. I guess I don't have you just answered your own question. Um, Yeah, they will both ramp up. How do you feel Garrett did in his first week? Awesome. Had a really good week. I'm excited for him this week. Do you see similar things that he was doing, you know, college too as
11: well? Like, yeah, he's
12: instinctive. Uh, very, very smart. Processes process is smart. Um, and then he can cover. He can get the ball. Uh, we'll see if he can tackle here pretty soon, but uh, which I know he can tackle. But, um, yeah, I thought he had a really good week. And, and I have to monitor my expectations of when we drafted him. Um, I know the type of player that he is, but he hasn't played football in, you know, about a year here, you know. So, yeah. Um, it's got to make sure that I'm monitoring. you know, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to get beat and he's going to have some bad games. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, I like where he's at and where he's trending.
0: Obviously, uh, you know, Garrett is Garrett Williams, the, the uh, corner back, uh, that, uh, they, they drafted. Um, I don't, I can't remember which round fourth or fifth somewhere in there. um, and uh you know they drafted him knowing that he was coming off of a injury in, in college and and would still be dealing with it and still has been dealing with it but um looks like he I don't know if he'll be available this uh this upcoming week on 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 the road against the the Rams or not um but you just heard him you know they, they, they they'll be ramping him up so um you know, get him a lot of a lot of snaps and so we'll we'll see a lot of practice time we'll see how how he does um but that that could provide some help especially if he's he is as special as they think he is I mean they drafted him knowing he was injured um so uh that speak speaks volumes a lot of people feel like that's foolish because you you kind of want a guy that can help a team as terrible as the Cardinals is now but uh hey uh, they, they make the big bucks. I do not. Rounder
12: like Dante, just continue to get yeah, better. he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. had a sack, I think, in there. Um, but, you know, with him, too, he knows exactly what he needs to do to get better, you know, as we keep going through the weeks. But he's doing a good job for us. With,
2: uh, Garrett, and Michael, you drafted a couple guys who were hurt in college. Is there a certain type of injury that scares you more than others? And does the ACLs? Like, worry you less than, say, if a guy had a history of soft tissue
12: stuff? That's a a really good question. Not in my opinion. I think you got to take it case by case and understand why those injuries are happening, Um, which in college sometimes it's hard to get to the root of the problem. But we know when we get here exactly what we do with them and and what the stress that we're putting on those guys. So, you know, football, you're going to have injuries. It's part of the game. Um, But it's our job to set up you know everything all the um, I call them five buckets but the all the factors that go into those guys playing at high levels we got to make sure the resources that we put into those buckets um, it has to be correct and that's an individual base plan for everybody so no to answer your question I'm, I'm not uh, just got to be aware of how when we get, when they get here how we're kinda going about our week and about our days and what we're doing for those guys. What was your on Michael really not having targets until really late? Yeah, year? I think that's just a little bit how the game went. I mean his number was called a couple times, coverage dictated that the ball went somewhere else. So um that happens, but he was he was positive and he'll continue to get his touches. We we have serious conversations every day, Cam. So when he's ready to go, he'll go. Has
8: Garrett graduated to just strictly the football bucket, or is he still in the health
12: bucket? Today? He he'll, he'll be in the health bucket for as long as he's here.
0: <laughs> Obviously, meaning that that you know health is priority. Um, you know the last second to last question um, about Kyler was asked by Cam Cox of um, of. Uh, uh, news 15. I can't remember which station. I, I don't know if it's ABC or whatever, but um but uh I believe and you know, of course they, you know, when I say this, well, of course they know. I believe obviously the Car- Cardinals know when Kyler is going to be available. What what week he's going to come off pup and what week he's going to play. Um and I, but I feel like they're they're mum on the situation, um, you know, kind of the competitive advantage kind of thing, but also more importantly, I think for them is like if we tell the media and and basically the fans, Kyler will be back. Let's just kind of give an example. I've been saying between, uh, you know, about week week eight, which would be, uh, this is. Week 6 against the Rams. Um, week 8 would be. Uh, at home against the Ravens. Um, but let's just say. Okay. Um, he off pup against the Ravens. And then you know. Plays against the Falcons at home. That would be the 12th of November. Um, and let, let's just say that. You know. Hey. You, you want him to. Play at home; it's more comfortable. You're more comfortable at home, whatever. Um, and say they say, okay, well, Kyler will be back against the Falcons. He'll be playing against Falcons. And you know, you come up. Of course, if he doesn't play till the Falcons, you know, shoot, might not, might as well not even play him at all, uh, because then you just only have one, two, three, five. Well, you got about seven or seven weeks. Never mind, you can play him. Um, but anyway, you, you say, hey, he's going to be available against Falcons on the active roster, playing, and, uh, and and then he doesn't play. Maybe there's a setback. Maybe you know whatever. Who knows? Uh, then you know, obviously they can say, well, you know, we said that, but you know, but everybody's going to be, hey, Kyler's playing. You know, the boom, 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 the news is going to hit. Uh, they they obviously don't want that to be, to be a thing. And so, like I said, I I feel very, very confident that they know, they know exactly. Kyla knows when he's going to be available. Everybody knows, um, the, you know, and that's still the question of, you know, when, and, and, and it's a fair question. (laughs) Uh, but, and and a question that's going to continue to, uh, to get asked. Uh, up next, we got uh, Drew Petzing spoke to media uh, um, as he normally does on Tuesday. So, here is uh, Drew. So what, what do you guys do now without James for a few
8: weeks? What's kind of the, obviously, you have a player. Okay, what's, the, what's the approach offensively without,
15: without him? Yeah, I don't think a lot changes. I think, you know, it's one of the things we've talked about is I, I trust everybody in that room. You know, I think um, AD does a great job of getting those guys ready. And uh, I think you saw that when he went out in the game. Like, the next guy in's got to step up, got to know his role, got to understand the offense and what we're trying to accomplish. And I thought, Mari did a great job of that. And I expect everybody in the room to, to pick up the slack and really kind of fill in when needed. Do
14: you know anything much about Tony Jones
15: at all? Yeah, I mean, certainly I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of helping us as an, an offense. And uh, really excited. I think Monty does a great job of looking around the league and making sure that we're always doing whatever we can to get better uh, at every position. And so I was excited to get him in the building.
13: Josh Dobbs has been able to showcase his legs, but against the Bengals, only three rushing attempts. Why was that the case?
15: Yeah, some of that's just how the game comes up. You know, I mean, a lot of those are read runs or decision making. Whereas, hey, if it looks here, you take it. If it's not, you're doing this. So, um, that's just just kind of how the game got you know came up on Sunday. Is
5: Mari going to be that number one now? Does he slide into that? I think that's
15: something we'll probably work through this week you know I think again it's going to be a, a combination and nobody's going to fill James's shoes perfectly right so I think all those guys are going to step up and, and take a part of that role and, and excited to see them do that but I think that's something we got to work through as the week goes
0: I think that's probably what they do I mean uh some would say oh you you know you got to go with Keontae you know you got to give him a shot he's been on the team a little bit while a little longer I don't know. Keontae hasn't sparked as much as I, I believe. Uh, um, Dimickardo has. Uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw every preseason game, and I know it's preseason, but I like really liked what I saw um, with uh, DiMocardo. So I, I think he gets a nod uh, in the bulk of the carries. That's my opinion. This, uh, you know, not me reporting, but just kind of me speculating.
4: With Amari, what stood out to you when you guys first brought him in and how has he grown, I guess, since
15: then? I think the, the big thing, and we talked about Dobbs and Like very unflappable. Like it was whatever the role was, whatever was asked of him, the stage was never too big. He was always ready, always prepared. Um, you know, and, and you know, coming in as a, really an undrafted guy and earning a spot and, and making a name for himself throughout preseason and training camp. And then when the first game come, it was, you know, you would never know it was his first year out there. And I think you felt that way when the ball was in his hand on Sunday. It was just kind of like, hey, he's prepared, he's ready, and he's going to go out and make his plays.
6: You didn't have a turnover since week one, then you have three plus the turnover on downs. After watching film, like what do you attribute that to, whether it was what you were seeing from the defense, was it decision making by Dobbs?
15: Yeah, I, think, I mean, obviously the turnovers are critical. You know, that's something we preach in the room a lot. Um, anytime we're turning the ball over to me, it starts with me. It starts with scheme and just making sure that I'm putting guys in a position where they're not at risk of exposing the football, not turning the ball over on downs. Um, so I think I could have been a lot better in that football game just in terms of some of the positions I put them in. Um, and certainly we, from a decision-making standpoint execution standpoint, have to take care of the football if we're going to win games. So that was uh, disappointing, but certainly we're going to get back out there on Wednesday and work through a lot of that.
14: You on know, the interception deep in your own end there at the end of the half that uh, Zach and Hollywood were kind of in the, in the general area. Was that a case where – and I, Hollywood said afterward there was some miscommunication. Was that a case where certainly you don't want too many guys, in, especially in that shortened area?
15: Yeah, and, and to your point on the communication, if we're not all on the same page, again, that, that starts here. You know, it starts with me. So um, we got to be cleaner, especially in critical situations, backed up, you know, end of the game, four minute, third down. Um, but I think that's something that, uh, you know, certainly cost us. Um, but I think it's something we can fix and correct. And, and, again, I, you know, certainly think we have a plan to do that.
8: Where are you on, on running? How comfortable are you with him running?
5: Like, what's your comfort level? Do you want running a lot, a little? Like, where are you on?
15: Uh, that's it. I mean, I think every game is going to come up different. Certainly, you know, our number one goal is to keep everybody healthy. You know, so I never want to expose him to injury. Uh, but I think it's something he does really well. Um, I think it's something that makes us dynamic as an offense. So I think it's certainly something we're going to continue to emphasize moving forward, uh, scheme allowing it defensively speaking. Um, but yeah, it's something he does well, and I think you know, I think it, cre- it makes it hard on the defense. Is Trey,
11: is, is Trey a guy at tight end who he's 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 going to have issues getting a ton of snaps because of the veterans he's in the room with or does he still need to make some big jumps to to kind of earn that?
15: No, I think Trey's done a really nice job. I think that room in general, as you said, like it's deep. There's three guys who have played a lot of football in this league and played football at a really high level. You know, so it's almost like you'd like them to be all of them out there all the time. It's just, we got a lot of guys that we want to get out there on the field and do different things to affect the defense. Um, So no, I I really have been pleased with him and his performance and kind of how he's attacked his role. Um, And certainly, you know, would be very happy to see him out there more as we move forward.
14: On On the fourth and one play, what was your thought about that going in, and after watching the tape, what do you think made it so it just obviously wasn't successful?
15: Yeah, I mean, I thought they had a really nice adjustment there on defense. Obviously, you know, bringing the safety through the c gap created some issues in the backfield there, and kind of made the play messy from the beginning. And then obviously, the linebacker made a nice job, you know, nice play coming over the top on the on Dobbs. So that was, you know, it was a big play in the game. You know, and again, like as I watch that, and I kind of look through the scheme, you know, say, hey, should I called this? Should I have done that? Was it the per- you know was it the right call? Uh, that's got to be something that, you know, it certainly keeps me up at night, you know, that night and moving through the week. But, hey, we got to flush it. we got to move on to the next week. But uh, certainly just trying to figure out, hey, what could we have done? What is a better play? What's, what could the situation have been that we could have succeeded in that area?
14: And to that point, you mentioned, like, the linebacker, it looked like that linebacker read it really well. And so I know it's got to be tough sometimes, but sometimes it's just, hey, they made a play. And, you know, who knows if you had called something different, what would have been the result?
15: Yeah, I think that's what you – I try to tell myself that, but there's certainly – it doesn't help. You know, I think it's always, uh, hey, did he see something? Did we give something away? Was I too predictable? Did we do – you know, all those things kind of roll through your mind as you look at what you've done in those situations to try to make sure that, hey, you are being hard to defend and you are being um, not predictable and you're giving those guys a chance to succeed. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Does a healthy
8: Keontae, have sort of a change of pace rule when he's back and then with Damian Williams, what do you feel you have there?
15: Yeah, I think, and again, I think a lot of that's going to get worked through this week as it pertains to the game plan, who we're playing against, what we want to do in the running game as, as we work through some of, you know, obviously the injury to James. Um, but again, I, I think a lot of those, all those guys in that room are going to have some role uh, in this football game and moving forward in this offense, you know, because I think they all do certain things a little better than the other guy um, or they have slightly different roles or runs they like or things they see well. So um, I think that's something we're, as an offense and as a staff, really going to have to work through these next couple of days.
14: How tough is it when you do have guys like Damian who was just here at the end of last week now Tony's here this week, how tough is it to get them really acclimated and on, on the same page as everyone pretty quickly?
15: Yeah, I mean, and it's, that's like to me, and I, I, you know, I said this to staff, I said this to AD, I said that's our job as coaches. You know, that's what we get paid to do is make sure that no matter how long they're here that they're ready to go out and perform and play at a high level. Um, certainly that's going to require some extra time in the meeting room, um, you know, after practice, before practice, just trying to get them up to speed. Cause as you said, like it's a different language, it's different players around them. We may be doing things slightly different. Um, Um, So we've had to really kind of ramp that up in a much shorter timeline than maybe you would if they were here, um, you know, in preseason, in the off season. But I think they've done a nice job of kind of embracing that and really, you know, putting everything they have into learning the playbook, learning our offense, and getting ready, getting themselves ready to go. The depth
6: at the interior offensive line has obviously changed a little bit since Dennis Daly got hurt in that final preseason game, and now that he's back to practicing, we've seen him mostly at left guard, but some you know, flexibility there. I mean, is, is the plan to kind of get him back behind Elijah Wilkinson or is that kind of change now that you have a few new pieces?
15: Yeah, I think it's very fluid. You know, I think that's the, one of the things that makes Dennis such a valuable player aside from, you know, obviously being a good player is his versatility. You know, he's played tackle in his career. He's played guard. He's played on both sides of the line. So, um, you know, I think just getting him back healthy, making sure that he's where he needs to be physically and getting him ready to go has been our priority over these last couple of weeks. So, it was great to see him get out there last week. And, and I don't know if it's hey, this is going to be exactly your role tomorrow. I think that's going to kind of continue to evolve as we work through this next week.
0: All right. Um let's uh keep it moving and go uh with uh, Nick Rollis and and a question that I'm looking forward to uh being asked and um and then answered is obviously uh Jonathan Gannon on, on Monday told the media that and after the game that uh a lot of what happened with Jamar Chase going off is on him and, and uh um that they're seriously going to take a look at what's what they can do to to fix that uh that defense and and uh they got to do what they can to take away the number one option and they definitely did not do that so nick uh what what's the conversation like and how you know what's your plan to to fix uh what's going on in the secondary or what happened in the secondary um on sunday
6: I say injuries and my question to the defense mm-hmm. when you have a game where you are having Jalen leave you're having antonio hamilton come in and out how are you adjusting on the fly to that when you're already down and you're constantly throughout the game now it's not just the start of the game correct yeah can it,
16: it, it can become a little challenging at times as far as focusing on okay hey what's the situation we're in what are the calls we need to get to all that but then also What's the substitutions like? Are we out of certain groups? And so I thought JG helped us out tremendously with the position coaches of getting everything organized as far as who needs to be ready to go here if this happens now, because you got to start talking about other potential injuries that could come up and what you do and if you're out of a group. and that was difficult when you're also trying to figure out what you want to call, right? And we were about to go out and it was, it was a little bit of moving fast. And I thought those guys did a really good job. The coaches, JG helping us out of getting us settled for what we need to do for the drive, but also then who's in at certain spots and what are the subs beyond that. So, you know, hats off to them. That is a challenge when it starts moving fast in game. Um, But that's why you prep for that kind of stuff throughout the week of, again, back to the shoes. You talk about, hey, if this guy's shoe comes off, what happens? And you gotta always talk about a lot of shoes coming off potentially because that's where it starts to really become a, you're kind of juggling with what you wanna do. But I thought we did a good job with it. No, go ahead. Um,
11: I know it'll, things can get messed up because of shoe issues. But uh, if everybody was healthy, if JT was healthy, do you, do you see Antonio Hamilton staying in the lineup? Is,
16: is yeah, control? yeah. Ham, Ham is going to continue to contribute for us. He's a he's a really good player, um, and I think, you know, he and a lot of other guys in that back end can help us help us win and play high level.
6: JG said at half that um, you guys were the first defense to face a healthy Joe Burrow. The connection with Jamar Chase that hadn't been there was clearly there after watching the film. I mean, what do you make of what you saw from the secondary?
16: Yeah, you know, I thought other than a few plays, we did a good job of limiting the big play obviously there was the, the post can't, can't allow that to happen. Um, and a couple other ones that went for you know just under 20 yards you got to limit those. Uh, they did a good job of getting him the ball fast in space through screens through quick bubbles, through quick game slants and so you know we got to do a better job as coaches of having a plan. Not just to try to eliminate, you know, those big plays, but also just getting those playmakers touches in general. Um, but yeah, you know, hats off to them. They they had a great plan. They did a good job of executing their plan and um, we got to reflect on what we can do better as coaches or how we can execute better collectively, coaches and players. What went
2: Clark's role this
16: week? You know, that's again, like a week to week thing we always talk about. Um, I feel really good about both Ham, Keytrail, any of those guys going out there and playing at a high level and we wanted to we wanted to get those guys contributing. If we feel like guys can help us win, you really want the more guys playing. Um, because then, you know, you're fresher. Um, guys when they do have to go in the lineup, they've played. And so that was just something that, you know, week to week we talk about how roles can change and it just that's what we decided for last week.
13: How helpful was it to get Josh Woods back in the defense?
16: Yeah, you know, I, I was I was pleased with the way Chris and Zeke played when Josh was out. And obviously you want to have all your players available. It was good to have Josh back. I think Josh is playing his best football of his career right now. Um, obviously things he knows he needs to get better at, but I love the the motor and, and the effort that Josh plays with. That definitely, you can feel his intensity. You can feel his leadership on the sideline as well. So I, I really enjoyed having Josh back. Going off
13: of that a little bit, you said yesterday that in the meeting, you gave an analogy about the, the Sirianni analogy. Yeah, the Sirianni analogy. It's a good analogy. Do you think? <laughs> I know that Philadelphia was able to turn around when they were two and five. When Nick brought that up and ultimately pushed their way to the playoffs, Josh said that he sees optimism and that there's hope in that. Do you see that with this group?
16: I do. Um, you know, we talked about it the other day. Of don't be extreme. Don't be. Emotional with your decisions, you got to find ways that we have to get better, um, schematically, technically, physically, all of it. We got to continue to improve, and you got to find what are the what are those incremental changes that you do need to make in order to win those close games. Because you know they've it, it's the guys have gone out there. It's it's not the issue of, of effort or playing with intensity, violence. Um, I thought we've we've tackled well. Um, but it's one of those little changes, whether that's the plan or the execution of the plan that we need to do to get better. And if you keep doubling down on that and believing in it and being convicted, then you will start to see those results. You mentioned
14: um, the week to week aspect of it and with all the personnel. And Antonio hadn't played very, hadn't played hardly at all the first few games, first four on defense. Has this been kind of an overall matter of just figuring out where everybody fits and what's the best combinations
16: are? Yeah, it's like roles are always changing. And um, us coaches, we're always trying to figure out what are the best pieces to put in certain places on a week-to-week basis. And over the course of the year, um, so it's not just at that position. It's every position of, you know, what should everyone's reps look like, where should we be, what do we need to do this week, what's our plan, Whose skill set best fits this plan? And so that's just something that's going to be forever forever happening here. Um this season and beyond. As soon
6: as he got here it seems like K-1 Walls has had a pretty big role. He had the interception, the big stop on that goal line stand. What is what has he brought to this defense?
16: Yeah, intensity. Um good good tackler good energy high like he loves football and i enjoy i enjoy coaching cave a lot um but he has brought uh some spark in that sense and he always has he's always as as long as i've been around him had that to him um he's got to keep continuing getting better from the in that safety spot of um you know techniques execution scheme all of that and you know, as he continues to do that, I'm excited to kind of see where he's going to continue to go, but he's definitely um, been a valuable piece for us since he got here. you see that big help and
15: when Thompson
5: went down, can you guys kind of explain, like,
13: what did he do? Like, how did he kind of get involved with helping you guys decide, like, all that, like, whatever? You know,
16: yeah, so he was just very intentional on, hey, right now, Nick, figure out, well, we knew, you know, what we had to do. Obviously, we had a plan for who had to go in, but, he did a good job of Nick right now, figure out what calls you need to get to here, this drive and everything like that. But then also, hey, position coaches, come here real quick. Let's talk about like are we good with this group? Hey Nick, you might be out of this group this series. just let's get settled and got it. Thank you. like I'm going over that. Jonathan's working with the coaches um, on uh, hey, if this now happens, what happens? boom, 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 and it honestly happened in probably. 20 seconds, like they did a really good job with it and it, it took a little bit off my plate so I appreciated that they were on it. What, what does
14: that do for you when
13: that is taken off your plate, you can just focus on? Yeah, that exactly,
16: that's, exa- that's exactly it. You just, you can keep focusing on what do I do this upcoming drive situation in the game? Um, am I prepping for whatever here? And it, it just, it allows you to focus on, it allowed me to focus on doing my job, um, which that is also something that I, I do take responsibility for of making sure that we're subbed right and everything like that. But I just thought those guys did a phenomenal job of, of being on it.
14: There were some big plays with sacks in the first half, but it wasn't there in the second half. Did the Bengals do something different? Was it game situations, or what What do you think was why that
16: happened? Um, yeah, they did some things protection-wise to change up. But, um, you know, you got to get them in in. Third down pass situations, and I think you know when we did that, we did a good job of executing. Um, and You got to continue to do that throughout the game, so I'd say just you got to get them in as many of those situations as possible to pin your ears back and go. What would you
8: say gives you the flexibility to have a lot of looks and defensive front, defensive line? What, can you say that or question? Just the flexibility to have that. That many different multiple looks on up front
16: defensive yeah. line. Yeah, you're saying like th- to get to those situations? Yeah, it's important. Um, you know, you, you want to, it puts stress on the obviously the offensive line and the protection and the scheme, but also the quarterback um, can muddy the picture for him, not just as far as am I getting pressured or is it a four man rush, but what is the coverage behind it? And, you know, that, and when things look chaotic, sometimes it takes a second to stare out and really understand and figure out what's going on. Um, obviously last week that's an elite quarterback and he'll probably see it as fast as anybody along with the quarterback that we're about to play. Um, but you do want to be able to try to put that's the most important position on the field is that quarterback and you got to be able to affect him in multiple ways. So yeah, the more you can the more you can make it difficult for him to, know where he needs to go with the ball, I think it's the better, whether it's first, second down, third down, two-minute, all of it. I think the more you can find ways to do that, it'll help you win.
6: Last week I asked about Garrett Williams since you hadn't seen him on the practice field and that he mm-hmm. started practicing the next day. Yeah. Uh, from that week, I guess, just first, what did you see from him? And also, where do you kind of envision him playing a role in this defense?
16: Yeah, you know, he had a good week of practice. He did. Um, I saw a guy that – doesn't look like a rookie that's taken his first snaps. And and that's credit to his work ethic, honestly, because he's studied as like he's preparing for to be a starter since he got here, right? And it hasn't wavered at all. It's very easy for someone in his position to say, oh, okay, I I got a lot of time here before I'm actually out there. I'm going to kind of coast. He hasn't done that. He's He is on it, um, one of the smarter players I've honestly been around. And you could see that show up. The application of it was impressive because, like, I know that at least I think I know the defense very well, and I would probably go out there and mess up because it's it's one thing to know it on paper or on the in the film room, but to actually go out and be able to process fast and execute it is hard. Um, like, I'll step in sometimes an individual and be like, yeah, I'll play the linebacker for you here, guys. And then I'll bust and I'll be like, man, this is, this is hard. These guys, what these guys go through is hard. Um, so that was impressive along with just his his technique, um, his coverage ability. He was connecting on routes. And so, you know, going forward, he has a diverse skill set. And we saw that coming out of the draft as far as being able, being able to cover from press, from off, um, being able to tackle, like, all of that, it, it gives him some versatility. So, you know, we'll see going forward on, I think this guy could probably play multiple spots in the back end and whatever we think we wherever we think we think need him to play to help us win, um, that'll be the plan, probably week-to-week basis. What
4: more do you need to see from him to get him back on game day?
16: Well, that's that's probably more of a question for, for medical, not me. Um, you know, because there's a whole, you know, Volume load and um, protocol that he has to get through in order for it to be the right time for him to return. So I don't want to speak on that. But as far as you know, playing, I was I was very excited off of last week. He's got to put together another good week of practice and um, show that he's you know ready to play in the system, execute at a high level. What do
14: you see from the Rams offense and especially that they're young, that rookie receiver.
16: Yeah. is a good. It's a good group of skill um, from the tight ends and the receivers. Backs playing good, and obviously the quarterback and the the uh, play caller are the best of the best, right? And so, um, they are very. You want to talk about adaptability? Like I feel like he's adapted, and since he first got there till now, which is says a lot because he's had success since the beginning, right? And You can see they're putting new wrinkles in constantly, kind of like what's new in 2023, we'll go check out what that tree is doing, McVay, Shanahan, those guys, and you'll see like the motion that they use, it it prevents challenges um, to the defense. So I think right now, like they're playing at a a high level. Um, Quarterbacks, obviously elite player, can put the ball anywhere and he's willing to put the ball anywhere. Um, knows how to get it get it out of his hand fast, and uh, the skill are good. Obviously, you saw Cooper Cup came back. He was definitely featured in that last game. He's got huge route tree um, that you got to account for, and uh, overall, you know, that's McVeigh's offense is good. It's good. When a team
5: someone like Van Jefferson like today, how does that affect you what you do? Do you like take out what you had
8: planned for him? Like, like what's that process?
16: Well, um, you know, you got to be ready to adapt. It could be a guy getting traded on a Tuesday, it could be a guy showing up on the injury report on um, Friday, right? And so that's something, it can depend on how much you did have planned for a certain player. Sometimes it might have a huge influence, sometimes it might not. You should never have a plan that's completely predicated on that happening, right? Because there could be an injury in the game. and so. Um, you know, if it's something that would affect the the plan that you had, then maybe you're moving on from whatever that specific package was or those calls, or maybe, um, it doesn't affect it and, or, you know, you still got these other calls. So that's a, that's a very fluid answer to, it can depend on what the, who the player was, what your plan was, all of that
12: going against Zach Taylor and Kyle Shanahan the last couple of weeks how much of a foundation does that does
16: that give you yeah it, there's there's similarities but they're their own guys too you know what I'm saying so um there's definitely a lot of crossover probably more crossover with with Zach Taylor and, and McVay than Shanahan um mainly more with the personnel that they use but there are definitely similarities, and you got to know that they're, they're going to be looking at those previous games and uh, looking at what the plan was and maybe how they could try to attack that plan. So uh, it's definitely something that you're taking into consideration. From that
14: previous question with the adjustment, the guy shows up in the injury report. Obviously, you didn't know about Higgins, what was going to happen with him last week. But then Irwin kind of had a quiet, pretty good game. How, did that surprise you at all? And how was that prep like with those receivers?
16: Um, yeah, I mean, T Higgins is a really good player. I think you never want to, unless you know that a guy's out, you never want to assume that a really good player is not going to play. And then if he plays and you don't have a plan for him, you're kind of, you know, not in a good spot. So you're you're better off to over plan for guys. And, you know, yeah, he came in and, and had a good game. We got to, you know, put together a better plan and execute. Um, so, yeah. How
3: much better was Burrow's mobility than he had put on
16: Um, you know, it, he, he was moving pretty good. I would say, I don't, you know, you'd have to ask him on how good he felt doing it, but he definitely was able to, um, kind of escape some pockets. We, we, we need to rush better at times as a group. And we, we left him some lanes and he took advantage of it, but, um, you know, you'd have to ask him how good he felt, but I thought he was moving pretty good.
0: All right. Um, I might. Nah, I'm not gonna worry about it too much. I don't know how important was it was asked about, but I thought about playing the the Josh Woods presser to kind of get the analogy that they were talking about with Nick Sirianni. But uh, clearly, it's something to do with hey, even though you you know right now they're they're one and four, um, you know, if you keep on doing this and this and this. Next thing you know, you're you're on the right side of, of of a, uh, you know, better record, um, probably something like that. I don't know. Not super super worried about it. Um, if I uh, listen to it um, um, later, uh, I'll uh, it, do it because um you you know wednesdays and and i think wednesday or is it wednesday or thursdays so either today or or tomorrow's um media availability is usually a little bit lighter so i might include it a little bit later down the road um but lastly we'll go ahead and with uh, jeff rogers
11: how would you kind of analyze how Gilligan did in that first
17: game yeah i i'd say it's like a lot of first games. Um, His opening one of this season, he's been around. um, You know, he had a couple good punts, location, distance, um, a couple others that, you know, he'd like to do a little bit better on, but I didn't think there was anything uh, too drastic with the punt situation, still working through the holding thing. Um, You know, we were kind of off in all three areas on that one. The snap wasn't bad, but wasn't as clean as it could have been uh, Blake expects to get that ball down, which we did. We just didn't get it turned and, um, you know, missed it. Um, so still working through that.
14: With the punts, the net, of course, didn't turn out real great. Was that a combination of the punts themselves and, and coverage, or what whats your evaluation? Yeah, about?
17: everything ties in. Uh, you know, location on punts, distance on punts, hang time on punts, guys' abilities to get downfield. Obviously, there's a protection element to it. Um, Returner return style, kind of how they're aligned. Down and distance has something to do with it. You know, sometimes when you're fourth and two, you may have more guys in the box. The gunners can run if it's fourth and, you know, longer down and distance. Those guys are vice. So, um, you know, some of those things build on each other. But um, yeah, I, I just say it was a pretty average day in that regard. Did you
11: guys did you guys have your eye on Gilligan for a while? And- What was the thought process ultimately in making the change?
17: Yeah, I mean, I I'd have to let the GM and the head coach kind of speak to that part of it, but um, you know, like a lot of teams, we we've you do workouts. Um, You know, the past few years, you know, all three specialists making it now 17 games. It it, we haven't had that, so you're always trying to figure out who's next in case something comes up. We had exposure to him playing against him. We had exposure to him, just league stuff, keeping up with people and then able to see him in person. Those were all aspects, all those things contributed uh, in an evaluation.
14: What are the challenges in a week when a new guy does come in and from the, especially from the holding aspect of getting all three of those guys, you know, having practice, but obviously that's, that's a lot different than a game. But what, what is the challenge of that?
17: It's just a rep thing. It's, it's, the holder seeing the ball come out of the snapper's hands, it's the timing of it. Some kickers are fast, some kickers are slow. It's not just us adjusting um, to one element, right? Like, okay, there's last year we had a new snapper for a couple games. We've had a new kicker for a couple of games. All three parts have to be kind of worked out because if the holder's not used to catching it from that snapper, he's got to see a bunch of those things. Uh, if the kicker's not used to the holder or the – you know, it, it's just – There's a combination of things. And through reps, which I would say there's probably between three days, probably caught 100 balls. You know, not all of them come out of Aaron's hand. Some of it is just isolating a certain aspect of the hold. But um, we try and work all those things out during the week and um, have it work out on Sunday.
11: When you guys look at long snappers and long snappers around the league, it seems like – A lot of them, once they kind of create a spot for themselves in the league, they they have longer careers. Is that a case of not a lot of people can do it at at this level? Or is it a case of coaches get very comfortable with the guys they know that can do it and maybe there are guys out there that can do it and they just don't get a chance because these guys are so entrenched?
17: It's probably a little bit – I'd agree with some aspect of everything that you're saying. Um, Coaches do get comfortable with people. Um, players do get better with experience. Um, I think that. So here, here's how I, I guess the best way to describe it. On a 53 man roster, you've got five or six wide receivers on the active. You have three or four on the practice squad. You might have five or six D linemen. You got three or four on the practice squad. You got 10 DBs. You know, on your active roster, you get so many on your practice squad. So with every other position, including quarterbacks, some teams have three quarterbacks and one on the practice squad. There is a grace period where guys can work in competitive situations against similar looks that you're going to see on game day. There's not a lot of teams that keep specialists on the practice squad. So because there's only going to be one guy used on game day. Some people do it if you feel like it's it's an investment, but... um, you know, there's a year, a couple years ago, where Jake Elliott's on the practice squad in Cincinnati and Harrison Bucker's the extra kicker in Carolina and couldn't quite hold on to him. Boom, Cairo Santos gets hurt. Bucker goes to Kansas City. Uh, Caleb Sturgis got hurt in Philly. So Jake Elliott went there. And those guys have been great kickers since then. Um, you recognize as a coach talent. You recognize an investment into somebody, but your roster's got to be able to hold on to it and then week whatever, if somebody needs one, they're probably coming to get your guy. So there's a cost-benefit part of that. Um, I think with every one of the specialists, at some point with all NFL players, they're going to get a chance in in some way. It's preseason, it's regular season, it's practice. And it's what they do with that opportunity. And generally speaking, if a guy's done it in a game and he's available and he's the only guy who's done it in a game and it wasn't a total train wreck, he's probably at the workout on Monday or Tuesday. Um, I do think that there's... There's a lot of people on the street. That's a bad way to describe it. There's a lot of specialists who have college background. Or the kid in Dallas, right? Like he's a soccer player and he develops those things. I think that at some point those guys can get a chance, um, but it has everything to do with timing on their part and whether or not they're willing to continually work on it. Like it's not cool to be a long snapper in high school or – No offense to high school long snappers, but like guys don't grow up thinking, man, if I could just be the long snapper, you know. But the reality is if some of the better athletes that don't have extended college careers playing quarterback, if they train to be a long snapper, it might be worth the investment um, if that's what they want to do with their life. But uh, I guess it's a long winded way of saying there's a lot of different avenues to having a job
0: yeah that was a long winded answer, but a great answer really kind of gives you the insight of of uh, that you know you can tell he want to say it's a combination of all of those things' it's a combination of you know well hey uh you you like what you have uh a combination of hey, you know there's other guys out there, but the i think the number one um group of positions that you want the most. Continuity is um, offensive line. The second has got to be the specialist. So your 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 snapper, your holder, and your kicker got to be the second most um, that a- any team is is looking for. And uh, so that knowing that aspect, you kind of go with what you know. Um, but also, like Jeff Rogers said, hey, there's opportunities in practice in preseason, um, that uh guys can shine if if they so choose. But I really like the answer. It kinda gives you a deep dive into the thought process and how all that works. Like I said, I always like these conversations with Jeff Rogers. Uh we missed it last week because I didn't do anything last week, but um it you know, he gives really, really good answers. And though it was long winded, I, I you know, I hope you enjoyed that answer as much as I did.
17: Say a I'm so Bill Belichick. <laughs> Rivals it, yes.
0: Alright. Um well, I uh, do believe that's everything I have. Like I said, um I will uh um Listen to the to the uh, Josh Woods um, presser um, later on today, and then I'll decide. You know if I'm going to use it or not, and you know see if we can't get more context of the Nick Sirianni. I normally wouldn't have done it, but I, I think I liked like the flow of going from head coach to the coordinators. Um, and it, it you know if knowing how how I normally would do it, I would have done you know Monday and then Tuesday. I would have done. You know, head coach Woods, and then the coordinators, and I feel like it would have messed up my my flow of of questions. Obviously, you know, the questions concerning the offense and the defense being asked to JG, and then they get an opportunity to ask those same questions to um, to um, um, Nick Rollison and um, Drew Petzing, and, and as well as um, Jeff Rogers. Uh, so you know, knowing that you're going to hear similar questions asked and maybe similar responses from different point of views I, I felt like it was going to flow a lot better but anyway um, and I hope you can you guys respect my decision on doing that uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation you can email me bigskysportstalk at gmail.com you can also shoot a direct message on social media um, I, all of uh is of which is at Big Sky Sports Talk, and that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, you can shoot messages on all of those. And then, as far as listening to the show, plenty of places to listen: uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Um, those just to name a few. Um, big key thing: hit the uh, subscribe button and hit the bell notification so you don't miss out on an episode um i need as many as people listen as possible so share it with your friends your family your neighbors and enemies and like follow comment and share on posts. shoot the emails ask questions get involved um and until tomorrow hopefully DBX win for my birthday thanks again and i'll talk to you guys later